Hey everybody, welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast, where you're invited to not just attend church or watch church, or in this case, listen to church, but actually go and be the church. For everything you need to know about our community, be sure to go to newmarketalliance.ca and maybe even drop us a line to let us know you're listening. We read everything you send and we'll be sure to get back to you. Our worship service happens every Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or streaming online. We want you to know you absolutely matter to God and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. Good morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Diane Gast and I serve at the Welcome Center and I'm also a greeter. I think the one thing that stood out for me about NAC is that um, I love about NAC is that there are families that walk beside each of us in seasons of our lives to support, to love and encourage one another in the church and in our community. The scripture readings today, there are two, and the first one is from Matthew, the great commandment, Matthew 22:37 to 40. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The second scripture comes from Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Diane. Several icons and logos here. And for some of you, these logos, icons produce indifference. Uh, For others, maybe that same logo is, uh, you know, what the kids say uh, is triggering. RBC is a little triggering for me today. Um, For those who might be visiting today, we have this sign-off, you could say. It's a a benediction of sorts, and it goes something like this. It's, It's great that you came to church this morning, but more importantly, let's go now and be the church. And I hope that's more than like a a catchphrase, a, a trite, you know, catchphrase. I hope it encapsulates the the mission the vision that Jesus has called us to. But I suspect that even that phrase is a bit of a Rorschach test for some of you. Um, You know, it means whatever you think it means. Uh, Maybe even ways that I didn't intend. So over the next month, I'd like to unpack a bit what I think it means to go be the church. Unpack a bit what it means to adopt a new vision, unpack a bit what it means when we say we are knack. Uh, Maybe those of you who have been part of our family for a long time might get re-inspired, might get renewed in the commitment to the vision that we're called to in this community. Maybe those of you who are kicking tires and uh, visiting might not even consider themselves people of faith. Um, maybe you would say, I'm, I'm intrigued. If, if what you're describing is really what church is about, you just might be the kind of community that 
myself and my family could be a part of, a place where we too could say, we are knack. So our new vision starts with uh, the type of person that we want to reach. Our vision is that everyone at every point on their spiritual journey. So um, we want to reach everyone. We need the wisdom of seniors. We need the energy and innocence of kids. Uh, you're going to hear some banging through the walls, and that's a good sound. Uh, we, we honor our kids here. We need youth and young adults. We need young families. We need empty nesters and singles and retirees and Gen X and boomers and builders and millennials and Gen Z and all are welcome and wanted here. But what about every spiritual stage? Are you saying, Jonathan, that you want atheists here? Yeah. Yeah. They are welcome and wanted and we won't even try to change you. We couldn't anyways. That's something that only God can do. Ah, but I don't even believe in God. Oh, but he believes in you. <laughs> and he wants the best for you. Uh, we want tire kickers and seekers and the fed up and the messed up and the socially awkward and the gender fluid and the marginalized and the LGBTQ and lifelong churchgoers and the mature and the immature and the cynical and the gung-ho, every race, tribe, and nation. We want those who've come to the end of themselves and those who are ready to give of themselves. Everyone is welcome and wanted here. There's a place for you here. And uh, you would be joining a group of severely imperfect, messed up sinners just trying to follow God as best we can. Now, before Jesus left the earth, standing among his friends and disciples, there are two points where he really synthesizes his final marching orders to his followers. One we call the Great Commandment, the other um, the Great Commission. Diane read them for us. And uh, the Great Commission, this is the, this is the sending. This is the go make disciples. Teach them what I've taught you. Teach them to obey. More on that in a minute. And then, of course, the great commandment where we are to love God and love others. You put both of these together, the great commission, the great commandment, and you can boil down, I think, those six or seven verses really down to six words, which really ought to be the vision and heart of, of every church. Love God. Love others. Make disciples. Love God. Love others, make disciples. And so we come to our, our vision taking our marching orders from Jesus himself and hopefully articulating in a way that, that resonates with our culture and our community. And the first part of our vision is that we desire that everyone would authentically know God, not just know about him as though you were reading a Wikipedia entry, but to know him, know him fully, to, to experience not only the awe and majesty of God, but also the parental, tender care of God the Father, to know and love the life of how God has been most thoroughly revealed to us 
through his son, Jesus Christ, to, to hear the whisper of God speaking and leading and comforting and guiding us through his Holy Spirit. We want you to know God in fullness. People like um, Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonnke and Billy Sunday, these people, they never claimed to be the church. They were traveling evangelists whose, whose passion was introducing people to Jesus. And, and that's a critical part of the spiritual journey, being introduced to Jesus. But that's just the beginning of knowing Jesus. You'll notice Jesus didn't call us to go into the world and make conversions, but rather go into the world and make disciples. And frankly, it's a journey of getting to know God that lasts a lifetime. It's like peeling layers of an onion that has no end. You know, it takes, it takes one day longer than a lifetime to truly know Jesus and become like Jesus. When we meet him face to face, we'll be like him and we will know him. In, in the meantime, we're on, this, we're on this journey towards him. And 1 Corinthians says, for now we only a reflection as in a mirror but then we shall see face to face now I know in part then I shall know fully even as I am fully known I, I know there are many people these days more than ever maybe who might say look I'm fine with Jesus me and Jesus are cool uh, it's the church I could do without I'm not sure I want to be the church based on its current reputation. And I can't say as I blame you. I, I am deeply troubled by the state of the North American church, the scandals, the hypocrisy, the, the damage that has been done. I see the stagnation. I see the lack of relevance and impact. So why am I standing here today? Why did I give my one and only life uh, to the church? Um, one reason, and I want, you to, I want you to hear me on this. The dream of Jesus is the church. And the person who is serious about following him will buy into his dream. Let me say that again. The dream of Jesus is the church. And the person who is serious about following him will buy into his dream. But the problem is, I don't think most people have a clue what his dream is really about. The kind that Jesus described as being so filled with energy and bursting with power that, that even the gates of hell will cower before it. In, in the history of the early church, which is recorded in the book of Acts, there's a passage that gives us, I, I think, one of the clearest pictures of what a church that Jesus envisioned looks like. And here's the setting. It's right after what is known as the day of Pentecost, when the first followers of Jesus first experienced the, the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit after Christ's return to heaven. You remember Jesus had been crucified. He was buried. On the third day, he rose again. And then for 40 days, he walked and talked and encouraged. He made his resurrection known. And then he said, 
my time with you in the flesh is, is coming to an end. But before you think this is an ending, it's really the beginning, the start of everything that I came to set in motion. God's great redemptive plan to call the world back to myself. And the heart of it all is what I've been talking to you about for these last three years. My church, he says. You won't have me with you. Uh, in other words, you, you won't have my arms and legs and eyes in physical form. But together, you will be my body. Okay? And you won't have my miracles, but you will have my power to do, he says, even greater things through the through the Holy Spirit who will energize you in every aspect of what you do. It's time, Jesus said, for the great revolution to be unleashed. And with that, Jesus returned to heaven and the Holy Spirit rushed down and in them and through them in ways that made the presence and the power of God just all too obvious. Before they knew it, thousands had come to Christ through them. And, and the Jesus dream of church started to take hold. And here's what it looked like in, in Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's not a building at this point. That's not an organization with a tax exemption. Turns out the church is people. Uh, it turns out you are the church. We are the church. We are NAC. And it turns out that you are called to be the church. And when the church is making um, inroads to be the church, making steps towards authentically knowing God, it means that you are being the church. You are being a lifelong learner. Um, look at that first verse again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And, and much of the apostles' teaching has been collected, their letters, their writings, and preserved in the second half of the Bible. And so today, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching is to be devoted to the New Testament, to be submitted to its authority. That's why a church that is... Being the church will be a biblical church. Teaching will be based on the Bible. Our mission will be based on the Bible. Our conduct will be based on the Bible. And the more we go to the word of God, the more we are transformed uh, by the word of God. The more we know this Jesus. And, and from that, the more we can transform the world. By letting the truth of what God would say to us shape us, mold us, challenge us, lead us. So what does it mean to authentically know God? The key is becoming a disciple. It's a, it's a word 
you've probably heard in the marketplace. You know, you might hear somebody who is a uh, disciple of mixed martial arts or uh, a disciple of a certain academic school of thought. And, and those in the church, you've heard that in a spiritual context of discipling someone, uh, being discipled, or Jesus making disciples. Unfortunately, for a lot of people, I've noticed that this means going where you will be spoon-fed or bottle-fed. Somebody is actively teaching, and you are passively listening. In other words, in this view of discipleship, um, discipleship is something you receive. And, and so if you're not growing as a disciple, it must be that your church isn't a good discipler. Uh, which is why you hear people talk about leaving a church where they aren't being fed. Discipleship isn't really about them. It's something that happens to them. So if, if that's the way it works, why aren't more people disciples like we read about in the Bible? Because I'll tell you, there's no shortage of good teachers in North American churches. There's no shortage of amazing preaching podcasts. The problem is, that's not really what discipleship is about. The word uh, disciple is from this Greek word, uh, mathites, and literally means learner. And the whole idea of a learner is that it puts the action firmly in the lap of, of the one doing the learning. The point is that you... As a disciple, as a learner, you are to be actively engaged in the learning. It is it's your responsibility to take up the mantle to know Jesus. Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. If discipleship was simply something done to you, or for you, Jesus epically failed as a discipler with Judas. Anyone want to say that Jesus was not a good discipler? Okay, then get that understanding of discipleship out of your head. Here's the truth about really knowing Jesus in fullness, about being a lifelong learner and disciple. Growing spiritually is something that can be assisted by other people, facilitated by others, but ultimately it's got to be owned personally by us. This is so important. So if your entire discipleship plan consisted of listening to me for 35 minutes a week, I would say it's better than nothing. <laughs> But it sure is only scratching the surface. It's pretty lacking. Uh, let me pick on a cute couple for a minute. Let's say Jeff and Megan. They're the cutest couple in the room. Um, let's say Megan really wanted uh, to know Jeff. Or let's, say, let's do it the other way. Let's say Jeff really wanted to know Megan. He wants to know her likes and dislikes. He, he wants to know her dreams and goals and heart. But they never talked. They spent no time together. But once a week, 
Megan has a spokesman, Brittany. And once a week, Brittany gives a, a 35-minute verbal update to Jeff. Here's what she did this week. And here's the experience I had with her. And uh, here's my interpretation of what she told me. And, you know, for a guy like Jeff who loves Megan, I'm sure that 35 minutes uh, is better than nothing. But it would hardly suffice getting to know her. I mean, really knowing someone. It takes time. It has to happen in person. It can't be a third person relaying the experience. I'm talking about something transcendent, something authentic and intimate and relational and experiential. The best word to me that sums up what I'm, I'm trying to describe here is this old-timey King James word. Um, it's a word we don't use much in 2022, but I just think it encapsulates it all. The word is abide. Abide. Jesus invites us to it. Here's what he says. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. It's being vitally connected to Jesus, and he uses the branch and the vine as a metaphor. The, the literal life, the abundance, the relationship is when the branch is connected to the vine, abiding. It's a central theme of scripture, of scripture, really, is that God made us to be in fellowship with him. Amazing. The creator of the universe wants us to know him and be known by him, abiding. God, who has called you into fellowship, 1 Corinthians says, he's called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. To the, to the green thumbs out there, uh, what happens when the branch is disconnected from the vine? It dies. It withers. Your soul can wither when you are disconnected from the source, the vine that is Jesus. So now we're getting closer to what it means to authentically know God. Knowing, abiding is so much more than acquiring knowledge. We don't study the Bible so we can, you know, ace Bible trivia night, right? We study the Bible to know the character and the heart and the voice of God. And, and then ultimately, not to just know it, but be transformed by it, to obey it. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. So the ultimate goal is to actually do what it says, to live it, to act on it, to go be the church. Let me read how this is talked about by the brother of Jesus, James. Here's what he says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You see the point? James is saying anyone who who listens to the word, reads the word, knows it, learns about it, doesn't live it, doesn't submit to it, doesn't follow it, is like someone spending all this time in front of the mirror 
kind of soaking in the reflection, trying to figure out what needs fixing, and then walks away and forgets what needs to be done. Your, your hair's still a wreck, your shirt needs ironing, your mascara's running, there's a tie needs straightening, and then you walk away and don't do any of it. It's dumb. And, and it's dumb to do it with God's word too, which is the ultimate mirror for our lives. So let, let's get real practical. And uh, how can we take hold of this? I'll close with a way that, that you can take the next steps towards authentically knowing God. Intellectually, yes, but, but more so than that. Experientially, um, relationally, transformationally. Many years ago, uh, I was made aware of a church in Steinbeck, Manitoba, a South, Southland church led by Pastor Ray Dirksen that was experiencing, uh, I think, what could only be described as a revival. Uh, we have his picture there. Um, went from 150 to 4,500 congregants. Are, are there even 4,500 people in Steinbeck, Manitoba? Um, and this growth was not through anything flashy, okay? Not, it wasn't great music or concerts or some, you know, social media emphasis or even, even dynamic preaching, actually. It seemed to be through powerful prayer and discipleship and, and a way of showing the congregation how to abide. And along with that came things like the Hearing God Seminar and spiritual freedom encounters. And pretty soon churches from all over were sort of knocking on the door of Steinbeck, of all places, to try to figure out what the, what the special sauce was. And they may have been disappointed, actually, when they learned it wasn't anything particularly innovative or new. It certainly wasn't a quick fix. Uh, you had to be in this for the long haul, you know, to change the culture of your church. Mass of people who want to abide, who want to hear God's voice, to practice submission to the Lord, experience God through daily devotional times. People who want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, soon churches started adopting some of these practices, which, which aren't new. They're old. Jeremiah calls them the, the ancient paths. And uh, Southland Church and Pastor Ray started mentoring other pastors over Zoom. And, and those pastors started mentoring pastors and church leaders. And a movement sort of started. They called it Church Renewal. And it's all over Canada and, in fact, all over the world. In fact, every week, 1,500 church leaders from 47 different countries meet together online to be mentored. I'm part of a group. I, I began uh, this September my third year um, meeting with pastors from coast to coast across Canada. And uh, I've led our staff through a 12-week commitment called Abide, uh, something that I went through myself. And I led our elders through this same commitment. And this is the process that church renewal has asked us to do. Well, since then, behind the scenes, some of our staff have led their small group through it. And some of the elders have led their small group 
through it or are currently leading their small group through it. So some of you already know what I'm referring to. This, this pathway of abiding, of discipleship, it's not, it's not for the faint of heart. It, it, I'll be honest, it's a commitment. It involves meeting together for 12 weeks. It involves a daily reading. It's only a page, but still it's more reading than most of us do. And then some sort of practice, practical type homework. And it may involve something like a journal. Well, pastor, then why don't you give us this material and we'll just do it at our own pace? It doesn't really work that way. That's the old discipleship thinking of magic bullets, you know? Or if we drop our kids off at youth, uh, the church will turn them into a model Christian and maybe they'll even make the honor roll. Or if we drop our wives off at ladies' night or our husbands off at men's breakfast, they'll by osmosis turn into spiritual leaders. If we, if we give you the right devotional material, it doesn't work that way. We believe first and foremost that um, the most significant spiritual growth happens in smaller communities. Places where you can be heard, where you can experience others, hear others, interact, know and be known. And to have a facilitator there, a mentor, somebody who has been through this stuff already. Because, you know, this stuff is more caught than taught, if you will. And that can only be done when you're together, either virtually or, or in person. So this is our systematic church-wide discipleship pathway. I would love to see a critical mass of, of our people engage in this. Lord willing, next year there will be even a, a deeper 12-week experience that requires the abide uh, group as a prerequisite, pre Almer Fudd said, and, uh, and a set free weekend where deeper spiritual freedom can be experienced. So many devotions and discipleship programs are, are little more than information transfer. They teach the what, but not the how. In this Abide 12-week group experience, you, you'll actually learn the how how to hear from God, how to grow in character and in maturity, how to abide in Christ, how to be set free from those things that hold us back. So right now on the front page of our website, on your Church Center app, is an opportunity uh, to join one of two identical 12-week abide groups. Uh, one in person on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, uh, might be a great for parents who drop their kids off at Rock, have some time to kill. They might just want to stay and be part of this group. The other would be a Thursday afternoon, uh, 12 to 1, for those who maybe are stay-at-home parents, uh, who get an hour lunch break, uh, those who, whose nights are filled up but have flexibility in their, in their daytime hours. Just one hour a week for 12 weeks, um, let's put that QR code up there. You could, you could sign up even right now if you're so inspired. Just point your camera at that QR code. Look, as impacted as I've been by this material, as 
impacted as I think you could be. Um, they're just tools. They're resources. You're the one in the driver's seat. Uh, the church exists to enrich, to coordinate, to inspire. It exists to, to pull together the collective force and will of those who follow Christ to fulfill the great commission and the great commandment, to do something more impactful together than we could ever do on our own. But it cannot circumvent your personal choices and responsibility. It cannot do life for you. Um, you're the only one who can do life for you. You're the only one who can choose to be the church. Uh, that's your job, to know Christ, not just intellectually, but relationally. Why? Because it's all about the vision of Jesus, all about going and being the church, and it starts with authentically knowing Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you for words of Paul, Lord, who says everything, everything is a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. And for whose sake I have lost all things. I actually consider them garbage in light of what I may gain from Christ, knowing him. So may we know you in fullness today. May we see what you see. Dead things coming back to life. Knowing that anything is possible. Oh, come alive. Wake up, sleeper. Jesus is risen. He can be known today, known by you. May we know you in your fullness, Lord, even as we are known today. In Jesus' name. Just want to, as we sing this last song, maybe you would stand with me even now. Just want to ask those who are involved with hosting a carnival table, maybe you just excuse yourself during this song. The kids are going to be coming into the foyer shortly, and uh, it's at this point, parents, where um, they become more of your responsibility. Wait, well, you know, it takes a village and all that, but more of your responsibility, and, uh, and then I'll give a benediction at the end.